I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. We love scams. We do have a very special episode today. Yeah, it is. um, You know, we talked about cults before and we talked about some more nebulous scams that are a little bit more like heady and not, you know, overt cons. So this is is sort of a murky water scam and it's upsetting. So (laughs) it is upsetting. It's a trigger warning if you have any issues of abuse, religion, eating disorders, sexuality. It's all in this one. It is, but it is a fascinating episode and just like very um it's a it's a good talk with a great author mm-hmm. and we hope that you enjoy it. We're here with Rachel Overwolf. She's the author of Finding Feminism, and she is, it's a great new book book. that you guys should all read, and um, it is about escaping uh, fundamentalist Christianity, and she's going to talk to us about some scams in fundamentalism, and trigger warning, this is about feminism, (laughs) this is about religion, if you you don't, this is about abuse, if you don't want to listen, yeah, this is going to be an intense episode, so it's, if those things are not your thing, then maybe not the episode for you. Go get a Slurpee and come back to the other episodes. I know, we have so many other episodes. (laughs) Yeah, but thank you so much, Rachel, for taking the time and being so honest. Her books, as Sue said, is really great, Mm -hmm. and 
shares a lot of her story. And I think it's really complicated because when you talk personally, I think when you talk about scams and then you throw in religion, like it's not that we're saying religion itself is a scam or anything against like, I think religion's great. I think God's great and you should believe what you want to believe. But inside that, and Rachel, you can talk more about this. There is a tendency for some people to take advantage of that situation. Yeah. The way it gets interpreted, Mm -hmm. I think by the followers can sometimes be scammy. Absolutely. And I think like whenever there are people in power and people in power, sometimes educating people that have less education or less power, that's where it becomes scammy, Mm -hmm. right? It's not necessarily like religion. It can happen anywhere, but I think it goes back to the power dynamic specifically. And a lot Mm. of the power dynamic in religion, or I will say fundamentalist evangelical Christian, because I know that not every religion is like how I grew up. Um, but a lot of the power dynamic comes from men lording over women and that being a piece that they want to Mm -hmm. incorporate into everyone's lives. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a kind of the scammy part too, is men holding power over women and using the Bible to somehow justify it. Right. I hate that. Um, and I related so much to that. Let's take it back just a little bit. Um, the fundamentalist evangelical Christianity, um, that you grew up in, is that what, can you describe that briefly? And like, I'm really into like TV shows about different religions. (laughs) So which TV show would you compare it to? Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. What TV show are you thinking of? And I can tell you if it's like, yes or no. Um, like, uh, like, um, the Duggars. Oh, um, somewhat. Yes. So my parents did not have 25 children. Um, and they did believe in birth control, but as far as like a lot of the things the Duggars say and do, yes, it seemed really Um, similar. I would, Yes. So um, a little bit different just because they do believe in birth control. Um, But as far as like what the Duggars say and believe, like when that came out with, is it, I think it was Josh Duggar, the oldest with the Ashley Madison scandal. And then it Mm -hmm. turned out that he had been like molesting his Mm -hmm. sisters. And then Mm -hmm. they were like, but God, and then the sisters were like, but God forgives him. Like my parents said the same thing. Like, so Mm, yeah, really kind of messed up mindsets towards abuse and um, really anything that's not like white cisgendered men, I would yeah. say. <laughs> I mm. thought it so. was so interesting in your book and we can go into this more, but there was a lot mm-hmm. of um, shame. And I think this is done with a lot of religions to try to control women. Mm-hmm. A lot of shame that just you being a woman was so shameful and like, and it mm. put so much pressure on you of like other men and other people in the religion could have whatever actions they were, but it was your fault because you caused it, which is just such a terrible, abusive way to treat someone. And um, I think that is in some like deep, really intense religious communities, that's really common. They do that with a lot of women. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like the more that I've stepped out of it, the more I've really realized that they do that because they're like women are so powerful and incredible and strong and making us feel worth less and making us feel shameful is a really easy way to control Mm -hmm. us and to say Mm -hmm. that you're not worthy, you're not strong, you're not powerful. 
But like the more I've come out of religion, the more I've realized all of that is so false. And like, there is so much power that we hold in as being women and so much strength that we have and just the availability that we have when we take our strength back to take up space and to use our voice is really amazing. Yes. I would love for you to talk a little bit about the purity stuff and the purity balls that you talk about in the book a little bit because that's so fascinating. So funny because when I started writing this, I was um, asking as I was writing this chapter, I gave it to some friends to read. So I have a to kind of go back. I have a whole chapter in my book where I talk about um, a purity ball I went to. And purity is like a very important piece in fundamentalist evangelical Christianity. It's very much like if you are not a virgin, then you are worthless. And for and you're told mm. as a woman who would want to marry you, who would want to be with you. And the message is very different for women than it is for men. The message for men is if you have sex and you mess up, it's okay because you're a man and you're just, it's just really hard and you're sexual and women aren't. So if women mess up, mm. it's our fault because we're not supposed to be sexual. Um, if men mess up, mm. they're innately sexual, um, which is such bullshit. Uh, <laughs> So in the book, I talk specifically about purity a lot, but one chapter about the purity ball. And so as I was writing this chapter, I gave it to some friends who didn't grow up in evangelical Christianity at all. And they were like, what the hell? This actually happens? Um, And I was like, yeah, like I still, it's so funny. I just moved and I found my purity ring when I was moving um, in a jewelry box. But so a purity ball to kind of talk about it is a moment in a young woman's life. And typically you're in middle school. So you're anywhere from like 12 to 14, I would say. Um, And where your dad takes you to a ball um, and you dress up. It's kind of like a daddy daughter dance. Um, And they bring and they give you a purity ring. And at this ball, you pledge your purity to your father until you are married. So you literally say, I promise I'm never going to be with any other man. And my and you as my father, you own me until you give me to another man to own me. Oh, my God. It's really sad. I feel like it's it's so sad, sad. too, because it also seems like. From like a parent point of view, you don't want your kids to get hurt or injured or be promiscuous or God forbid something happened to your daughter, Mm -hmm. you know? And so a lot of times it's, I feel very sad for these parents because you're just trying to, somebody says, guys, this is the best way to make sure our kids are safe. And this is a really good solution Mm. and we have a whole church behind it. So trust us, we'll help you. And so parents will sign up for something like this or think it's it's a great tool to help teach your kids, but it really gives so much. You can talk more about this, but I just, I, I feel so sad for the point of the parent that feels like this is their only option. No, totally. Mm. And when I remember when my uh, mom read this part of the book and she was like, I didn't realize I never thought about it that way. Like I thought I was doing something really? good for you. And to be fair, they're still heavily involved in uh, evangelical Christianity. So it's probably hard for her to take a step back. But I mean, a lot of the things that they did, including the purity ball, they thought it was good. You know, no parent wants like a, you know, their daughter to be pregnant in 16 or to have an STD or any of these terrible things. So instead of teaching children or about safe sex and about having a partner that loves you and respects you, they just kind of assume let's just tell them no sex yeah, at all. Let's scare and them. This will be the yeah. best way mm-hmm. and we'll scare the shit out of them. So 
Um, yeah. So the purity ball is really weird. <laughs> and the more I think about it, the more I'm just like creeped out by it. Yes. Um, it's so creepy. It's so creepy. <laughs> no and especially I, I wrote about this in the book, um, but they use a lot of weird analogies. And so that was a purity ball I attended to, um, to like to pledge my purity to my dad, but also like as a 17 year old, I was asked to go speak at one and I did speak at one. So there's a lot of weird analogies that they use during these things. So the one that was used during my purity ball was um, a gift being torn apart. And so the like Mm. MC asked for a few volunteers of dads to come up to the front and help him with this weird analogy and he had all the dads line up in this row and he gave the first dad this beautifully wrapped of course like white box because everything's white um and like then has them pass it down the line and he's like everyone start tearing a piece of this present apart so it gets down to the end of the line it's like this wrap it's like this mess mangled present of the last dad that's holding it and he was like now would anyone actually want to give this to get this gift if i gave this to you you wouldn't Uh, want it and women that's what it's like when you give your purity away to other men no one's gonna want you your future husband isn't gonna want you because you're a mangled gift that's insane that's like the image you get. But I've always, I've also, when I was speaking at the purity ball, once again, this is before I kind of left. And I know that this is, I do not <laughs> encourage this, but um, the the analogy that was used was a broken mirror. And they like put a mirror in a box mm. and like, sh- like broke the mirror in the box and then showed it. And they're like, who would want a broken mirror? Oh, these are just little kids. Oh, like, right. these are just kids like this. And this imagery is really powerful. And these like techniques are really controlling for these girls that are also just like, oh, I'd like a boy. Like, I just want to kiss him. Right. Like, it doesn't make sense. And um, yeah, I that's incredibly upsetting. And I can't get those images out of my head. Um, <laughs> no, it's it. I mean, and it's sad because it's what's happening. Um, and then mm-hmm. also we were going to mm-hmm. talk about the s- sort of – I guess we would call it also a scam is that this guy about this book that you were given as a kid, mm-hmm. um, I kissed dating goodbye. Yeah. I read that book. Wow. I remember reading that book because I went to church and stuff too. And like all my friends read it and it's called Joshua Harris. I kissed dating goodbye. And he says that you shouldn't date or have any kind of like physical interaction before. Yes. Yeah. Before you get married. Basically, yeah. yeah. And he has since gone back on that to say, like, yeah, I was so wrong. that's a scam. I fucked up a lot of people. And he's made it such a popular book. Yeah. Oof. And he pulled all the copies of the book, too, really? which I was pretty impressed with. Or maybe maybe he didn't pull them, but yes, he, stopped he stopped production of them. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's what I'm... Yeah. yeah he said, I cannot... So, yeah. He can't recall the copies of the book that have, that have been published. However, my public critique in written right. documentation, whatever. Yeah, he's... I think it's interesting that he's still because I was trying to research him and he's still very much a part of the church. Really? And he's still married to his wife, which I also Mm. was because when he came back on it, I was like, I wonder if they got divorced. And that's why he's like coming back on this thing. Um, I think that's a big part of the church is saying like, look, I made a mistake and now let's be forgiven, which is great. I love forgiveness, but it almost seems like he's getting around it. (laughs) I don't know. 
It yeah. drives me crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that the church, I mean, here's a scam in and of itself. The church like very much allows and protects men to be toxic. I mean, think about the Me Too mm. movement and all of these women that have come forward and said like, my pastor sexually assaulted me and these pastors are still allowed to be in these churches. And they're like, well, I mm. ask God for forgiveness. And it's like, well, you still molested yeah. a child. Like, no, mm. that's not how this works. And so the church is very forgiving of men not of women because like me as a woman and who's sexually active and like lived and has lived with partners and stuff. Like I wouldn't be forgiven for that. But a man who's a pastor who has molested young girls can be forgiven. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's very, and I think it goes back to the power struggle. Yeah. Yeah. It's Um, so upsetting. Yes. Um, Yeah. So Joshua Harris, though, so his book is about, courtship basically like if you like someone you should you should pray to god and if god gives you the go-ahead then you can court them but you also have to have the go-ahead by your parents and her parents and your church community and you're not allowed to be alone you're not really supposed to kiss you're not supposed to do anything until you get married you're supposed to kind of like hang out in group settings and then all of a sudden you'll be like okay cool now we're gonna get married and god approves that's what the dungers so did they really, were always like on that show they were always yeah. like we're going on a date with all of my sisters and i was like Ugh. So gross and weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now they're each girl that gets married now is like so many kids pregnant immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I know they're, it's like, it's kind of that whole family kind of disgusts me. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but it's really disgusting. It's so creepy. You can say what you want. Yeah. It's really creepy. And just like the whole, I remember when the, the older brother was found out for what he did to the younger sisters. And that made me, I was so angry. I was just fuming at my desk that his sisters were like, yeah, but God told us to forgive him. And it's like, what? You need to restructure your talking with God. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I don't think, I don't think God forgives that. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't think like a loving God. Yeah. It's so gross. Just like lets that shit happen. Well, and I think it also goes back to like repressed sexuality. Like there's so much of repression of sexuality within fundamentalist mm-hmm. religion for mm-hmm. both men and women. So then like you have not that I'm, I'm not justifying at all what he did. I just think that repression leads to you doing things in secret and you mm-hmm. not having the availability to talk to people and saying like, Hey, I'm having these thoughts or I'm wanting to do these things. And I don't know what to do about it um, because it's not an open place where you can talk. Or ask questions. Or ask questions, right? So, like, I mean, how many women do I know who, like, I was in church with and they didn't know? I mean, I can think of two off the top of my head that had babies before they were 18 because, like, comprehensive sex education was never taught. And they were having sex, Mm. but they were too scared to tell anyone. So then they end up getting pregnant. And or like, you know, and their lives are altered. And it's just like that would have been such a different conversation Mm. if parents would have been like in the church and the church specifically would have been like sex is normal. Sex is natural. Make sure that if you're doing it, you're having consensual sex. Like, let's talk about consent. Let's also talk about the fact that, like, there are ways to protect yourself and make sure that, like, you don't have a baby that you aren't ready to care for um, and all of these pieces. And instead, it's just like, no sex, no sex, no so, sex. Mm, and we're not gonna yeah, about what, what would happen to those women who had those young kids? Like, how did the church 
address them? So two, the two women that I went to high school with and that I'm thinking of, they were forced to get married. So they both got married. Um, they're both still with those men. I don't know that they're happy and they have like four more kids, like, and they live in their parents' basement. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, this continued attitude towards sex and keeping women subservient is just kind of a scam so that men can stay dominant or like, do you think, do you see it changing or this is all ordained from God or what are your thoughts on why it is this way? I think it's a scam. And so men can stay dominant a hundred percent. I think about, so my sister, she went to Moody Bible Institute, which is like one, it's like the most fundamentalist evangelical Christian school. Like the only degree that you get there is to be a pastor. There's no other options. So she went there because she wanted to be a pastor and she was in her second year of school there. Everyone's really like paired off and married, getting married because that's what you do when you're in Christian school and you have to be a virgin until you're married. You get married really young. Mm. Um, And she had um, the dean pull her aside and say like, Sarah, what do you think your path is? And she's like, what do you mean? Like, I'm going to school to be a pastor. And he was like, no, I mean, what do you think your path is with your future partner? You don't have, you're not dating anyone. Everyone else by your age is paired up and married. Mm. And like, we really teach women to come here to be pastors, to be, to work alongside their husbands in ministry, not for them to be pastors and be single. My sister is feisty. And so she was basically like, um, excuse me. And she was like, yeah, so we, 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 I have some really good men that are, that I've talked to that are interested in you, that we can put you on a date and like trying to set her up because apparently as a woman, she can't be a pastor alone, but she can be a pastor in service with a man. Um, and Uh. she dropped out of school, um, became a hippie and like went to massage therapy school instead. And um, has since left the church and is living a beautiful Great. life. So you can um, be on your own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and she's married to my brother-in-law and he's like a wonderful man and they have a great life. But I think, I definitely think that there is power struggle. And I think the scam in church is, or in, let me clarify, fundamentalist evangelical religion is really convincing women that they are worthless and elevating mm. men. Yeah. Hmm. Well, this is oh, very I really upsetting. so much. I grew up in um, uh, Lutheran church, evangelical Lutheran church. Mm-hmm. And like we were told, you know, this purity thing over and over and like men were dominant and you just believe it because you are like I did because I I, I was so scared right. you know, of, of being alone. I was like, well, I guess I'm going to be a virgin until I'm married. And then like when I went to college, I was like, what if I don't get married? <laughs> like what if that? isn't in the cards like what if that's not my thing and that kind of changed everything for me so I don't know it's just such a weird fear-based thing and it is a way of just like limiting women's power that is like so repulsive to me I uh sucks it, yeah it's limiting our power and limiting mm-hmm. our voices um mm. And and I know that there are like, there are religions that totally encourage women to speak and like women are very much a part of leadership. That's just not the religion that I grew up in. And that's not mm-hmm. what I ever saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and being, I think the more you step out of it, the clearer it gets. Um, you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. 
And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Jessica Valenti wrote a really good book and I talk about it in my book and it's called the purity myth. Mm. Um, it's phenomenal. If anyone's interested in reading any of all of her books are phenomenal. I have the biggest girl crush on her. She's like my feminist girl crush. Um, but the purity myth is really good. And she provides a lot of research and statistics around like why, um, purity within evangelical or, um, rigorously religious communities doesn't work and why it's incredibly, um, mentally and physically harmful to women. Um, and how it breeds, uh, sex without consent and it breeds domestic violence and all of these other things that come out of it. It's an incredible book and really dives into it much better than I can since she is a researcher and has actual statistics. I think she writes a lot of New York mag articles that I really like. I I should read that. Yeah, Yeah. she does. Um, And she has another great book called sex object and it's her memoir. um, And just kind of talks about all the ways that as a woman, like we're hypersexualized even from a young age. I mean, even think about like the purity balls, even that, you know, you're going to these things and you're 11, 12, 13, 14. I wasn't even thinking about having sex. I was like, Oh my gosh, that boy's cute. I kind of want to kiss kiss. him. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, yeah. Or I want him to hug me. And then you are told about how bad sex is, but you're in an age where you're not even probably interested Mm -hmm. in sex yet. Or like, don't know, don't know, and you're told to pledge something that you haven't, you're not even comfortable with. Yeah. So, how did things change for you, and how did what made you be like, this is fucked up? I am not into this anymore. Yeah. So, um, I think we all have a voice of survival inside of us. Um, wow. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there is a point where you get to this place and I don't, I don't totally know how to explain it. I know I felt it. And I, I know I talk about this a little bit in the book too, but there there's this point of survival where you're just like, you kind of get there and you're like, I know that I will not survive if I don't get out of this. Mm. And your brain just flips. And that happened to me when I was, so I was in an incredibly abusive relationship with um, a man I was engaged to at a young age and he was a leader in the church Um, and that was kind of the click. I remember just one day I was like, I, if I stay with him, I don't know if I'm going to be alive. Mm. I don't know whether by his volition or my own, I don't know if I'm going to survive this. And when that clicked, I was like, I have to end it. So I ended that engagement and the church really in turn kind of turned on me and said, Hey, you know, you're not honoring God. He's a God honoring man. Why would you do this? 
Um, how could you, how could you leave him? You broke his heart. He like, God has you guys together for a reason. You're going against God's will. And so that was kind of the start of me, like leaving religion and starting to think of things on my own. Um, and it really wasn't my choice. Uh, Mm. but then the more I stepped out of it and the more I started to kind of like read my Bible once in a while, go to church every two or three weeks, move across the country to Denver and all of these things. That's really when I started to realize and look back, okay, wait, this was really toxic. Why did I think Mm -hmm. this, you know, or I remember Mm. the first time I had sex and I was with a stranger, mind you. And I was just like, wait, this is really amazing. And I don't really feel different at all. And I don't feel guilty and I don't feel shameful. And I kind of just enjoyed it. And like, what else, what other lies yeah. have I been told? Um, and mm. so it was kind of a lot of, a lot of really small steps to get out of it. Mm. Um, and luckily I had just, I really like had to trust my instincts along the way and listen to my, myself and, just trust what my body and my mind was telling me and really trust that instinct of survival. That's incredible. First of all. Um, but, uh, do you (laughs) have any advice for somebody who might feel like they're in a situation where they're sort of, they feel like it's hopeless or there's no way anyone would understand or they can't get out? Like, uh, do you have any, anything you would say to a girl that was in Mm -hmm. your position? Yeah, I think that so hard. The first thing I would say is find someone you trust. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's a therapist. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a friend who, um, you know, will not will support you and start telling them your story. I think that the biggest piece when you're in abusive situations, whether that's religion, whether that's with a partner, whether that's wherever you are in your life, Mm -hmm. silence is what allows you to stay. Yeah. When you're silent and you don't have the, you don't feel the ability to talk about it. You justify things in your head. Well, it's not Mm. that bad. Well, I'm not that oppressed. Well, he only tells me I'm stupid. He doesn't hit me. Um, and when you start sharing and telling someone who you trust about it, that's really when you start to, process everything and start to realize, wait, this really isn't a good situation. Um, Mm. so the first, that would be my first recommendation. And the second is to really, um, really trust yourself. And you, we know when we are in situations that aren't good for us Mm. and it's really easy to ignore that and hard to listen to our brain and our body telling us to get out. And Mm -hmm. so when you have those instincts of get out, listen to it and don't be silent. The, the, I've experienced more healing in my life by sharing my story than I ever did prior to this. Um, and I, when I was writing too, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so healing. It's all of these things that I haven't talked about or shared in big details. But then actually now that the book's published and I'm talking about it even more, I'm experiencing Mm -hmm. way more healing. So Mm. There's, I think that there's just a lot of oppression and silence, and that would be my first thing to say. That's amazing. Mm. Yes, I completely agree. I just, I think that's really well said. I also had one more question. You, this is, and we do not have to keep this yeah. in the podcast. It's just me personally. I, I love, I don't love, but I appreciate when people are honest about eating disorders because I think it's so common with um. women, and it's so 
pressed on us to act like we just nonchalant have this body that we've worked very hard, good or bad to create. And it just sort of happens to be that way. Um, but I was just curious cause I don't know enough and I don't know Sue if this, if they had this in your church, like, is there, um, pressure in the church about body image, weight and women's sizes? Cause I know they want to desexualize you, but then also you're a sexual creature they control. So like, I just was curious, um, if that was all a part of it. Well, you're, you're just told your value is in your body, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Your value is in your body, but you're not supposed to be sexual, but you're also hypersexualized. Right. Like when you think about the value is in your body and your value, even as like a young woman, your value is in your virginity. That's sexualizing you from such a young yeah. age, but you're not supposed to be sexual. Um, right. And I think there's a huge pressure on women in religion to be perfect, to be that like, Betty homemaker, Mm -hmm. like going to have five kids by 20, but also be a size zero and go to church and pray and have this perfect home and perfect life. So I think that the, the eating disorders come, I mean, I know so many women that I grew up with, I mean, that had eating disorders and the church really ignores it. Like Mm. that was a, I mean, I, when I was in the height of my eating disorder, I, I mean, I've always been about the same size. I've always weighed like about Mm -hmm. 140 pounds since I was in high school. Like kind of, this is just what I weigh. And I, when I lost, when I was in the height of my eating disorder, I was down to like 110 pounds and I was so frail and everyone in my Bible study kept telling me how good I look. Right. You look amazing. Mm. What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not eating. I'm eating like turkey breast and iceberg lettuce every day, you know, Mm. and working out like crazy and throwing up if I eat pizza. And, um, and so I was not, I was encouraged and praised Mm. by my small, I mean, it's kind of funny. I was encouraged and praised by my small size, but I was always also encouraged and praised for making myself small in my voice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then yeah. you're less threatening. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Controllable. I'm controllable. Yeah. I think that's exactly it. Like when I broke up with my fiance, that's when I supposedly wasn't honoring God, not mm. when I was frail yeah. and weak and not taking care of my body. Right. You know, Ugh. it's the smallness that they encourage of yeah. both physically it's like just and basically emotionally. trying to get you out of their mm. way. <laughs> it's yeah. so hard. I'm so sorry you went yeah. through that. I'm, you know, I'm really, it's a weird thing because I have some, I have had people tell me like, yeah, but you're mm-hmm. so strong because of that. And I hate mm. that. I get so, yeah. it's like, no, I'm strong despite of that. Like, mm. you know. You don't have to go through abusive relationships or toxic religion or eating disorders or mental health issues to be strong. You're strong despite of those things, not because yeah, of it's, them. It's also hard for other people to be like, but here's the silver lining of your trauma. You're like, that's okay. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to wrap it in a bow. I'm fine. <laughs> we can talk about something else. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's so true. Um, yeah. So it's just interesting to see like, and to see women that I know that are still heavily invested in the church, like old friends or family members, and to see themselves still in this place where they're living a fraction of who they are mm. because of the power that's held over them. 
And mm. it's, I just want to like shake them and be like, if you, if you get out, like there's so much freedom, there's so much more you can, you're going to feel amazing. You know, I think it's, that's the fear too. It's like, if you aren't a part of this way that we believe in God, this specific way, you're doing it wrong. You're, you're damned. Mm -hmm. You're going to hell. You're everybody you love is going to be harmed or whatever. Instead of that, there's so many, you can still believe in God and still go to church and still take care of yourself, but it doesn't have to be the way that they, that they're, you know, demanding it. Right. Cause it's such a, I mean, the, the fundamentalist evangelical group, of, of Christians. And there's a lot of different types of Christians. And I know that, and I know that there are loving and beautiful Christians and great churches, but the fundamentalist evangelical group is very much fear-based. It's all, mm. it's like based in fear and shame. Um, and like, if you leave, you have to do it our way or, the, or yeah. you're not doing it the right way. First of all, you know, like I remember growing up there, there was a church down the street that had a pastor who was, gay and my parents were like oh my god none of the people in those church that churches are going to heaven it's like wait it's what? a sweeping statement you know it's very much like our way or no way life after death mm-hmm. <laughs> right <laughs> right exactly and so and also just like so unfair like if there is a heaven yeah. who gives you the right to say who's going and who's not absolutely so yeah. um scam wise is that guy who wrote the book and other people are I guess they're kind of getting away with it. And the only way to get out of the scam is to make your own decision. Yeah. I mean, like mm-hmm. he issued that Joshua Harris, he issued like a kind of, I don't know if it was even an apology. I mean, what did you guys think? You it read it. Very... The apology statement. He didn't. I mean, the statement was fine, but then I watched the trailer for the documentary he made and then was like, no, you don't feel it's the that scammers sad. always have no. a documentary. No, <laughs> didn't they love it like it. Yes, yes, they, they do. It. Fire fest. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then the purity balls are still going on, and like a lot of, and I, I mean, I all those. I was kind of looking up uh, other authors who encouraged um, purity heavily when I was growing up in this uh, the purity movement. And one was called uh, Every Young Woman's Battle. And it's basically about like staying pure for your husband and making sure that you don't cause men to sin. And then also that book that I talked about in my book, um, Secret Keeper, A a Journey to Modesty or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Those are still in publication. Those women are still preaching this, like not preaching because they're not allowed to preach, but they're still promoting this message. And they and they Mm. go on like tours still to promote these messages. So these things are Mm. still happening even in 2019. Mm. A lot of things are still happening in 2019. But like this is still (laughs) Yeah, it's a bad bad time. Right. Yeah. I mean look at yeah. It's not right. It's a bad time. (laughs) It's like sometimes Mm -hmm. when we think that there's little glimmers of hope, right? And they see like, you know, all of our newly elected female leadership in our government and that's amazing. And then I hear our president, you know saying that they should go back to their own country and it's oh, like no. oh He's, is there it's a whole, all really what's going on really upsetting but no it's so bad so do you this is kind of putting you on the spot yeah. a little bit but do you know of any no, resources for um women who want to kind of escape the religious situation that they're trapped in or is there anything like that exists that um, exists there are quite a few facebook groups i know one's called exvangelical 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's one that you can, that people talk about kind of, uh, leaving also like if anyone wants to talk to me, please find me on social media or send me an email. I'm happy to talk to you. Um, I think that the biggest thing about when you're leaving these communities, of fundamental, let's just say fundamentalist religion in general, right? Um, mm-hmm. when you're leaving these communities, you are told your entire life, do not associate with the outside world because they're sinners. And then all of a sudden you leave this community and you have to associate with the outside world because that is the only other community. And mm-hmm. so you're thrust into this group of people that you've been avoiding your entire life. Mm-hmm. And it's incredibly scary. And there are a ton of amazing resources. It's something that I'm actually working on creating is, uh, this is a teaser, but I have some projects in the works for creating a group, um, for people who, uh, specifically women who want to leave or have left fundamentalist religion and kind of just a, a network that allows us to share and support each other because there are a lot of great resources available. Um, Mm. so feel anyone can reach out to me. I'm happy to talk to you. Uh, and also not a therapist. So highly recommend Mm -hmm. a therapist as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. Well, thank That's you so much. Thank you. Th- Thanks for being so honest throughout all of this. Oh, thank you guys so much. This has been great. Um, yeah. I hope that everyone enjoys it and that it was good. Yes. And thank you for your vulnerability and your honesty and putting yourself out there. Thank you, you know, guys. It's really helpful. <sighs> so where can people find you? What's your Instagram um, title? It's Rachel Overvall. Um, and my last name's hard to spell, so you'll see it in the show notes. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. But uh, you can find me on any all social media. It's just at Rachel Overball. Great, great. Thanks okay, again. thank yeah. you, thank you guys. We'll talk to you again. All right. Okay, bye, bye. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rachel, and for being so honest and sweet and understanding. And if you guys have any scams out there or anything you want to share or express you can always reach out to us on at scamwellpodcast at gmail.com you can um, call us on our hot tip hotline it is 347-509-9414 so thank you very much um yeah reach out we're on rate and review us on wherever you're listening to us um we have a patreon and we would love to connect mm-hmm. and we love you Okay, bye. bye.
Have you ever watched a futuristic sci-fi movie and wondered, but wait, could any of this really happen? And will I live long enough to see it? That's what our show Hypothetical is about. I'm Carrie Bechet, and on this podcast, we ask what-if questions about the future. Like, what if we could read minds? What if the world's digital data was erased all at once? What would happen if the Yellowstone supervolcano erupted? Then we explore that question two ways, through speculative science fiction and through dialogue with brilliant scientists. The result is a genre-bending narrative that's interwoven with real facts provided by literal geniuses. And, spoiler alert, a lot of the science fiction out there, it's not nearly as far-fetched as you might think. Come time travel with me into the future on Hypothetical. New episodes on Tuesdays available on all your favorite podcast apps. Just search Hypothetical. That's H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L.